The 31st of August, 2006, episode 45. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Rookie Designer is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. One of the unfortunate realities of working freelance is that customer service is really a huge part of the process. Now, if you're a bit of an introvert, that can really cause some problems for you, but that's not really what we're talking about today. No, today we're going to cover the enjoyable topic of problem clients. What would you do if that laser pointer you currently have had a hundred times more power. Did you know that wickedlasers.com has a full line of portable lasers that are being termed the next generation of laser pointers? Why settle for a dot when you can draw a line in the sky? According to the Guinness Book of World Records, Wicked Lasers are the most powerful portable laser. Purchased by the US military for operations in Iraq, each laser is backed under warranty with a large support community. Visit wickedlasers.com for full details of this technology marvel. As you probably noticed by the message that you just heard, we do have a new sponsor for this show. Very exciting. Our sponsor, yes, is wickedlasers.com. What does a laser pointer have to do with graphic design? Well, I really couldn't tell you that, but they are pretty cool, and I encourage you to go to the website and check them out. And if you want to do that, Please go to our, our website, rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. You'll see a banner at the top. There's like a little flash banner that runs uh, a little animation. Click on that thing and go through there. And hopefully uh, they're probably going to be tracking. So it'll look good for me if you're coming from, from our website going to theirs. Even if you don't buy something, you can go up and look at They have videos of the demonstrations and stuff. And the things are pretty cool. Uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, they actually like pop balloons with them and start matches and light cigarettes. Pretty interesting stuff. Anyways, that's our new sponsor. They're going to be with us for this whole month. And if things go well, maybe maybe longer than that. And a quick shout out to Todd Cochran. And he's with... Uh, He's actually heads up the techpodcast.com, which we're a member of, but he also has started blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. And that's a place where you can find lots of other podcasts and you can also interact with other listeners as well. And I actually got this endorsement or this uh, sponsorship deal through Blueberry. So thanks to those guys for that. So our numbers are up. I've been complaining the last couple of shows about how the numbers are looking down lately, and now they're finally up. So I'm starting to believe that it did have something to do with people being in school or not being in school, because I believe there are some people back in school now. And well, suddenly this week I have new highs for Monday and Tuesday of downloads. So that's very good, very good news for for the show and for all of us. Just want to remind you that if you do like this show, you want to help us out, you can go to Podcast Alley and vote for us, or just go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie, and on the right-hand side, there's the form field up there. Just stick your email in there and press the vote button, then you'll get an email, click on the link in that, and you're all done. Now, I've been kind of going back and forth with this thing on my other podcasts, 
And uh, I've came, I've come to this conclusion that if you don't really like the whole voting thing, if you just think that maybe it's a popularity contest or something like that, uh, which it's not, but some people just don't like voting. So if you don't want to vote, that's fine. You don't have to. But you can do me a favor another way by actually telling some other people about the show that you think could benefit from it. If you have some schoolmates or some workmates or just anyone you know who's interested in design, even if they don't work in design and they're just kind of interested, maybe want to go to school for it or something, that's the perfect type of person to listen to this show. So please tell your friends and just keep it going. Keep the download numbers increasing and we'll all be happy. I was talking last time, I believe, about the MyChingo, and that's the the little system that I have on the homepage, and you can record your own message. All you have to do is have a microphone plugged into your computer. And I was talking about some issues they had with Macintosh, and the rate is kind of messed up, so it makes your voice sound lower than it's really supposed to be. So I was asking some people there on the forums for help, and I actually recorded some messages up there and got another message back from the guy saying, well, it doesn't sound that bad to me. I don't think it's the rate. You know, it doesn't sound that bad. And I'm like, okay, it might not sound that bad to you, but you've never heard my voice before. This definitely does not sound like my voice. So I think I'm going to try and test it out one more time. If it still has that problem, I'm going to take it off. Uh, I'm a little peeved at, at people's customer service that you tell them there's a problem and they don't want to change it. Now, this thing is moving over to a new company and there's supposed to be some new uh, version coming out. And he said, well, maybe it'll work in that one. Uh, you know, I don't want to wait for that. Maybe later on down the road after they've already transitioned, maybe I'll try it again. But right now they're just kind of pissing me off. So I'm going to take it off the page, I think. And nobody used it yet anyways, so it won't be any skin off anyone else's back either. Now in the last episode, and first off, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope it wasn't too boring. I just wanted to share something like that with you. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I had somebody put up uh, a message on the forum. It was actually Undressed Monster. Put up a a post saying, oh, weren't you worried about the people at your work knowing that that you were out there interviewing for other jobs? And yes, I was worried about that. And that's why the the little interview things that I played were like a month old. Uh, I was at a point finally where I had been in negotiations with my own job for a new position as well and kind of going back and forth. And I let them know that I had also interviewed for this other job. So I kind of was able to use it to play off each other, right? Until the until the fact that I found out that I didn't get the other job. But by that point, yes, it was okay for me to tell them and it was okay for me to release something like that. But the reason it did take me a month to release it is because, yes, I didn't want them to know. And... Common sense tells us that you should never, ever tell your employer that you're looking for another job. Even if you're good buddies with them, even if you think it might be okay, never do it. Because uh, it happens all too often where people think it's okay, they let their, their work know that they're out there looking, and for some strange reason or for no reason at all, you lose your job all of a sudden. And then if you don't get that other job, then you're kind of screwed. So Keep it under wraps as much as possible and uh, wait to tell them until you're telling them goodbye. That would be my advice for that one. So a little update from that, though. Uh, I said I was in negotiations with my own work, and actually I've agreed to take a new position at my new, at my same company, but like a new job. 
So what I'm going to be doing, and this might be kind of scary, because I often refer to myself as kind of weak in web design, I'm actually going to be the new web designer. That's right. But I have a very cool boss who just ha just so happens to be my landlord as well. Uh, he knows the situation. He knows that I haven't done a whole lot of web work, and he was full go on it. He's like, I know that you'll be good at this job. I, I know it won't take you long to get up to speed. So that was enough for me. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for me to learn something new and hopefully bring be able to bring something more to the show now too, because I'll be working in this new field that I haven't done much work in. And I, I know there are at least a few web designers out there that I've noticed on the forums. So, hey, maybe once in a while I'll be asking you guys some questions. Maybe you can help me out. But pretty exciting stuff. Uh, I'm starting my new job on the 15th. And uh, so the transition begins now. Uh, I got a nice big fat raise out of it. So that's always good. So something to think about too, actually moving up in your own company, moving into different positions uh, can maybe take some of the... Uh, some of the boredom away if you've been in your job for too long and you're thinking you need a change of scenery. So today we're going to talk about problem clients. And it's not always just clients that, that suck, that are total problems, but it's just little things that a lot of clients do. Some of, some of your clients might be perfect. They might never give you a problem. Uh, these are great clients to keep, of course. But there's always going to be those out there that, that maybe try and uh, cheat you out of something or are just a pain in the ass to work with. And this is very common, so don't think that you're the only one going through this if this happens to you. Really, it's inevitable if you work freelance that you're going to have a client that sucks at some point, at least one. Uh, today, I wanted to point out some examples of the problems that I've noticed with clients that I've worked with before. Of course, I won't be naming those clients. But we, I wanted to go over maybe some ideas of how to avoid these problems or how to work through certain situations. Now, the easiest way to do this is to really kind of screen your clients first off and try and figure out if they're going to be a major problem for you. And then if you can afford to, just don't take the job. If it's going to be too much trouble, more trouble than it's worth, maybe just don't take the job. But that's not always the case. Uh, we do need money, so sometimes you got to take these people on anyways. This is really a, a big topic, and I know there's going to be a lot of feedback from other people who have gone through different problems or the same problems, and I really, really want you guys to put your stories up on the forum. Uh, we'll make, uh, either I'll make or somebody else make a topic. Let's see, where should we do this? We could probably do it just in Rookie Designer. Maybe I'll even make another folder that's just for freelance, and maybe we'll put it there. But I want everybody to put up all their stories about all their horror stories of working with clients and the problems that they've had and how they've worked through those problems, or maybe they didn't work through them. But just I want everybody to put those up because it's really good stuff for other designers to hear. First of all, to just to let them know that they're not alone in this thing, but also just because it helps them to work through their own problems when they get to them. And again, I'll be sharing what I've been through. I know I'm not going to cover everything, so definitely if you have something to add, please add it to the forum. So first off, you have a few functions as a customer service person. And as I said, you, you do fill that role of customer service person when you are freelancing. You're basically the boss, the designer, the customer service person, 
the, uh, the person who bills the clients, everything, you're everything. So a few things to remember, uh, you need to be able to mediate and really give the attention to the problems that's needed and make sure, you know, the customer is king here. You got to make sure the customer is happy. Otherwise they're not going to come back. Now, if you don't care if the customer comes back or not, that's still not a case where you want to just let th- just drop the ball and let things go. You still want to be professional because that person that you might not want to come back, well, they have friends and you might want one of their friends to use you for your services at some time. So definitely don't burn any bridges. You might need to educate when necessary. And we've talked about this a bit in the past as well. And I think I'm going to touch on it a little bit later too. It's not always a good time to try and teach your client certain things to get your point across, but sometimes it is. And you have to be able to make the call on whether it is a good time to do that or not, depending on the situation and depending on the client. Always put a positive spin on everything. In addition to being customer service, you're a salesperson as well. And if you've ever been sold anything, whether it be a car or if you go into uh, Circuit City and one of those guys tries to sell you something, you know how those people act. They're very excited. They're Everything is just great and, and good and there's not going to be a problem with anything. And that's how you have to be with these people. You have to put a positive spin. You have to keep that big smile on your face at all times and let them know that your services are the best and they don't need to go anywhere else because you can take care of them. And pretty much relating to that, you need to be able to bend over backwards to deliver whatever it is that they need. Now, this is going to be hard sometimes. Sometimes you might not be able to do it, but you always have to try because, again, you want to leave a great impression with these people so that if they talk to anybody else, uh, a lot of businesses, a lot of business is built up through word of mouth. So if people are talking about you, you want it to be good. This is one case where bad press may not be a good thing, it may actually take work away from you. So just a few things to remember. So some of the problems that I have experienced in my time, first of all, and I didn't find this on the forum where I couldn't find the message, but I I remember reading it up there. Somebody put up uh, a string about this, about long lag times. And that's basically when you're going back, you're working back and forth with your client, but you give them something maybe to approve or to sign off on or whatever. And it takes them a couple of weeks to get back to you or a month to get back to you. And I've had a client that, that definitely does this. And, There's good things about it. The good thing is you have lots of development time in between to maybe work on other projects or things for yourself or maybe refine something that you're working on for them. The bad thing is maybe you need the money from that job right away and you need to finish it right away and they're just just stringing it along. And uh, well, sometimes that doesn't work for you. But you really have to let them dictate what happens with the project. You can't, I mean, you can call them and, and... you don't. You definitely don't want to badger them, but you can call them and remind them and say, hey, I need your approval on this. You don't want to get annoying, but you can just kind of keep pushing back at them a little bit and see if that speeds it up. But really, you know, the art isn't always the most important thing on their plate, especially if you're talking to somebody that's a little higher up in the company, which in my case it was, it's, it's a smaller company. So the person that I'm talking to has a lot of other responsibilities as well. So I'm not talking to like a marketing person. That's not their sole job to deal with me. 
you have to be a little more understanding that sometimes the artwork has to come later after other things. So you can't really bug these people until they give you what you need. It's more about their schedule than your schedule. Now, usually you are going to set up some kind of schedule scheduling and some kind of deadline for the project. And you can keep reminding them that we're running up against the deadline. And if you want this done on time, then I need to have this now. That's one thing that you can do. But I think in most cases, if they're being really slow about something, and I say most cases because this isn't always the situation, but in most cases, if if they're the one pushing things back, then they're going to be able to push that deadline back as well. If they can't, that's when you have to start getting on their ass and say, if you want this done on this certain date, I need this th- this piece from you right now, or it's not going to get done. And if they're really hard on their deadline, then you have to be like that. Otherwise, you're not going to get it done in time, and, and then they're not going to be happy that way. So really depends on the situation. It can go either way. But really, the only time you really want to push on them real hard is when you have a hard deadline that you have to meet. And then I'd say, go ahead and maybe say, you know, I need this from you to get this done. Otherwise, just let them dictate the flow of the project and how quickly it's going to get done, because it might not that it might not be that important to them. The second thing is I just titled it spec work, and we've talked about spec work before. Spec work, for those of you who weren't listening, uh, God, I don't even know when it was. It was a while ago. So that's basically when somebody wants you to maybe work up a draft of something before you actually get paid for it or before maybe you have an agreement or a contract in place. Uh, Some places actually have bidding wars for these things. They have everybody do, do some kind of comp for them. And then they pick the three top ones that they want and they'll have get the get the quotes from those companies and and pick the one that they they like, which would probably be the least expensive, best one that they can find or whatever. I've said in the past, this isn't a good thing to do. And when you're freelancing, this is definitely not a good thing to do. Uh, You're going to get this a lot, though. People want you to work up a quick, quick draft of something so they can see kind of the direction that you're going to take it in before you discuss the details of the project or the timeline or the deadline, or actually put a contract in place. And you should never work when you're not under contract. It's a very, very bad thing to do. At least have a contract that says you're going to make so much money for doing this draft. If, if that's the very, if that's as far as they want to take it, then yeah, say, I'm going to spend this many hours on this draft. I need to be paid this much, or I need to make this much per hour and make sure they sign that and agree to it. And that will make sure that you actually get paid for your time. Otherwise, if you don't get that contract in place and you do the little draft form, they might just decide, well, I don't like the way you're going with this and we're not going to use you. And now you've wasted all the hours that you put into that draft doing something that you can't even use now. Uh, you also get this uh, from from potential employers sometimes. Show us what you can do and we'll see how it goes. And that's kind of the same thing, but... I'd almost say it's different. This could happen if you have been working several jobs for one client. Let's say maybe you did a pro a brochure and some other print piece and they want to try you out for like a flash demo. Now you're already under contract with them for other projects, but well, let's just throw you on this thing and, and just put out a little something, something quick and we'll see how it goes. 
It's definitely not a good thing to do again. Even though you may trust this employer, you've done other jobs for them, make sure you get the contract for the work that you're actually supposed to do at that point so that you make sure that you, again, don't get screwed on the end and end up with something that you can't use and end up with wasted time. Now, closely related to this is quick updates. And this is a very, very common one. The thing to watch out for here is quick updates can very quickly turn into revisions or complete redos of a project. They just keep revise this part. Okay, that looks good. Now revise this part. That's good. Now revise this. Uh, it can really be a catch-22 that you don't want to get yourself into. And one of the big questions here is how are you supposed to charge for this? Sometimes it is really quick stuff. A lot of times it'll be web updates where you're just updating maybe even just the text on a web page, or you're changing info on like a brochure or a flyer. Again, maybe, maybe they moved and they need to change the address. It's something very, very quick. Or maybe it's actually just swapping images out on a print piece or web or something like that. These things happen all the time. And you, you need to have a, a, a plan in place of how you're going to charge for these things. Because obviously, if you're just changing the address on a flyer, you're probably not going to work up a whole quote in, you know, quote them, I don't know what it would be, you know, $15, $20 or something like that. You're probably not going to do that. You might want to have some kind of hourly rate if it's going to be something that's ongoing like this, where it's very easy updates. It's not starting a whole new project and doing that kind of stuff because you would want a quote for that. But it might just be something that's going to take you a couple of minutes, maybe a couple of times a week or maybe even every day. You want to have something in place like an hourly rate that you're going to charge them and you'll just keep track of your hours when you get to a certain point of hours or maybe every two weeks, you'll just bill them for the time that you've spent on that. But you definitely want to have something in place there. These are these are all the, the shortcuts, the, the workarounds that clients can find to get you to do work and not have to pay for it at all. And trust me, no matter how nice these clients seem, they all want to get something for free. So they will use these tactics on you. So that's why you have to make sure that you're ready for them, that you have a plan in place to, to make sure you don't get screwed, basically. The next one is uh, the customer dictates the design. And this is something I spent time on before. It was a whole big topic on the forum, and then I went through in a podcast and actually talked about it there. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. But basically... The advice on this one is just to put your patience hat on. Clients are going to want to take control of the project sometimes. They think they know more than you do, or they think they know more than they actually do about design, and they want to control how things look. Uh, they've It's shown through studies that 46-point type on a postcard sells X amount of units or whatever, so they want to do that. I mean, these kind, of, these type of people, you're not going to be able to talk out of this stuff. So you just have to be patient with them. Uh, put that big smile on that we talked about, nod your head and say, okay, yes, I'll do it your way. Now, in some cases, you can push a little bit, but you never want to shove. You can make suggestions. Uh, you can say, well, you know, I've done these types of designs before and this tends to work better. You can try and educate them a little bit, but that's usually not a good idea unless they seem like they're going to be really receptive to it. Basically, you just have to grin and bear it and do what they want to do and just get paid for it. Hey, we're still getting paid, so it's not our artwork. And again, this is probably a case where you're not going to have a lot of 
stuff that you're going to be proud of and want to put in your portfolio. So just know that going into it, make their disgusting looking artwork, their postcard or their flyer or whatever it is and get paid for it and be happy with that. And if you didn't like the way they were to work with, then don't work with them again. But really you can't, you can't push on them too much on this. You got to let them do what they want to do. And, uh, you really have to feel out the client as for which, which way it's going to go, whether you're going to be able to make suggestions or whether they're going to just completely dictate the whole thing. And you just have to basically do exactly what they say. The keys to the game brought to you by techpodcast.com. Our key command for today is to transform again in illustrator. And basically what this means, I just had a project where I use this quite a bit and I had a bunch of rows of little illustrated pluses and I had to basically shear them so that they were kind of slanted. So I couldn't take the whole lot. I had basically a grid of these things and I couldn't do the whole thing at the same time because it just wouldn't work the way it was. So I did rows at a time. So I did one row and I transformed it or I sheared it. And then I wanted to go in and do it to all the other rows, but what's an easy way to do that? Well, I just selected each row and I used this transform again key command. And what it is on the Mac, it's command and D as in dog. And on the PC, it's control and D. Try it out, it's very useful. So in the second half here, we're gonna get into the more serious stuff, the serious problems. And uh, the next topic I have here, and I think I briefly touched on this before, but uh, it's really customers trying to get more for less money, trying to take those shortcuts, those workarounds to, to get you to do things and not necessarily have to pay your hourly rate or pay whatever it is you should be getting for it. So we already talked about spec work and quick updates, quote unquote, quick updates, or basically, as far as that goes, anything without an hourly rate or under contract already. Now, this is really a general type of topic and, and people are always trying to sneak in some extra work for free. But again, you have to safeguard yourself by, by using the tools that you have. And the, the biggest tool that you do have is a contract. And once you get their name down on that contract, there's nothing they can do. They're going to have to pay you for the time that you spend. That's why it's so, so important. And I'd say probably the most time or the, the biggest situation where people get lax on this point is when they've been working with a client on other projects. Uh, when you get multiple projects going, they might keep throwing more at you. Like you're already doing maybe web design for them and a flash demonstration or something like that. And now they're throwing at you, they want a brochure. They want uh, some kind of video to go on their website and they just keep loading you up with projects and more projects and more projects. And it's easy to get to that point where you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to start working on this and I'll keep track of the hours and I'll build them later. It's very tempting to do that, but don't ever do that. Make sure you make a contract for each and everything. And one of the lessons that I learned actually through this, I had a customer that was like this, that just keeps piling on more and more work. And it seems very good. It's very good for you because that's going to make you more and more money. But you can't relax on these things. And the thing that I did wrong is I started bunching like two projects together 
I'll put two projects together and make that one contract. That's a very bad thing to do because what happens is I finish one of the projects. The other one is takes like three months to finish. And now I'm not getting paid for the first thing I did because I grouped it together with the other one. Don't ever do that. Make sure you make separate contracts for each thing. The exception to that might be something like revisions or something that's very quick to do. Uh, another way that they they get this they get you on this point is to do like short or quick projects, something that's going to be like a day turnaround. And you're thinking, oh, it's it'll take me you know eight hours. It'll only take me a day, so I don't need to make a contract for that. Uh, wrong again. You need to make a contract for everything you do. That's your safeguard to make sure that you actually get paid for them. And on top of the contract, you should always get a deposit. That way, if they back out, you at least have, say, 25 to 50% of what you would have made anyways, and you're not totally lost. And again, with the short projects, short projects can very easily turn into long projects. Uh, a good example, I had a client that gave me business cards that someone else had already made. It just needed a little tweaking. They needed to uh, update some of the info for the people, for the names and, and the address and everything that went on the cards. But that was about it. Yeah, I ended up redoing all the graphics of the cards, redoing all the text, redoing the whole thing. It turned into a whole project. So don't ever think that just because it's some short revision thing that you don't need to put it under contract. And even more than that, I probably let that slip a little bit further than it should have. I should have made sure that, that we outlined everything that was going to happen to those business cards and put that in the contract. That way... They can't say, oh, well, can you do this too? And can you do this too? And just think that that's actually covered on the under the contract because you didn't actually state exactly what you're doing. Another shortcut to look out for. Next one I have here is copyright infringement. And let me just start by saying the, the episode that everybody wants to hear about copywriting and copyright information is coming soon. I'm trying to work something up. I don't know a whole lot about the, the subject. I've had a couple of people volunteer some knowledge, but what, I, what I'm what i trying to do is get somebody knowledgeable about it that I can interview, and that way we'll get all the information that we need, and it's not just me looking stuff up on the internet and trying to convey it to you, not really knowing what I'm talking about. I, I don't want to put out a show if, if it's not going to be helpful. So again, I'll try and get somebody to interview, and hopefully they can lay down the laws for us so that we can all understand it. A couple of things I wanted to touch on on this one, though, are unlicensed fonts and pictures. And there have been, I think that's where the discussion actually started or where the question actually started is with uh, pictures and li licensing. And I think one thing to really look out for this is clients that are giving you materials to work with. If they give you fonts, they give you pictures, Ultimately, I'm not sure who it's going to be on. And this will go back to the whole copyright thing. I'm not sure if this falls back on them. If they give you a font that's not registered in their name, I'm not sure if it falls on you because you used it or on them because they're the one that gave it to you. Again, I'm not sure. So the thing is just to, to be very uh, be very weary of this. And this is somewhere where you might want to try and educate your client. Maybe they don't know the fact that they can't just get a font from their friend and it's okay to use. 
Maybe they don't know that they can't just pull a, a picture off of Google and use that on their website. And that's, I think, a very big one. A lot of people always try and do that. They'll just grab stuff off of Google pictures or Yahoo pictures and stick it on their website or put it on in a PowerPoint or something like that. That's not okay. And if you have a client that's doing that, that's a point in which you can say, you can tell them it's not okay to do that because it's actually against the law. Uh, another thing, I ran into a client, and this was kind of a strange situation, but I was working for a client, and they actually had some illustrations that I personally knew that somebody else had made and didn't give them permission to use. That was a case where I went, you probably want to take these off your your materials here, because if that person finds out you're using their stuff without them letting you use it, well, you might run the risk of getting sued or uh, you know something like that, so... Definitely a good time to let them know that it's not okay to do that. We also had at, at my current job, we have a bunch of resellers. So people that resell the product that we market. So we had a couple of resellers that actually went in and stripped the code and rebuilt our own website as though it was their own. And this again, obviously was not legal. It's not legal for them to take stuff that you've made and put it up somewhere else and call it their own. And, uh, the other issue here, of course, is protecting your own work. And that's why, of course, the copyright thing is going to be so important. And that's why I want to get it right. I want everybody to know if you have a piece of artwork that you want to copyright, you want to make sure that nobody is out there using it unless you're getting some kind of compensation or unless you let them use it, then you need to copyright that work. And uh, there are definitely ways to do that. But just all in all, you know, Make sure that, that people are abiding the laws and make sure you abide them yourself. You shouldn't be using fonts that are not registered to you. And you shouldn't be using pictures that you did not pay for. All right, so my last topic for today, I actually wanted to put into the rookie mistake tip. So let's just cue the bumper on that one. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. So our tip for today, I'm going to make up my own little acronym here. It's SIA, which stands, of course, for cover your ass. And I've touched on it a couple times already, but you can always cover your ass with contracts. There's always two major, major problems with that clients have with your artwork that you're bound to run into at some point or another. The first one is they're not happy with the result. You get either halfway done with a project and they don't like it. You get all the way done with the project and they don't like it. Well, with contracts and with uh, sign-off sheets, you can avoid this problem altogether. I've said it before, I'll say it a million times more. Make sure you stop at different stages in your project and have the client sign off on it and say, yes, that's okay, we're going in the right direction. We can keep moving on with this design. That way, when you get all the way to the end and they say, I don't like this, I'm not going to pay for it, you can say, guess what? You already signed off on five different stages here, and this is the end result. And you're also under contract, so you do have to pay for it. And that's the other one that always happens, or not always happens, but will happen from time to time. And maybe it's a direct result of them not liking what you did, but they don't want to pay all of a sudden. Well. If they don't want to pay and they're under contract, then they don't have a choice. They do have to pay. Now, there are going to be some circumstances. Maybe you do a job. The job was only about $150 and 
they're not going to pay. It's obviously not going to be worth your while to take them to court so that they'll pay you $150. But if you did want to do this, you can. Because when they sign that contract, they agree to the fact that they're going to pay you basically whether they like what happened or not. They're under contract. They have to do it. So just make sure you see ya, cover your ass, and uh, get that contract signed. And also use the sign-off sheets as well. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our bullpen today really has nothing to do with what we've been talking about, but I found this resource and I thought it was really pretty cool. The website is easyrgb.com, and it's kind of like a little tool for designers. There's a couple of different things here when you get to the homepage. There's color matching, there's color harmonies, a color calculator, a monitor calibration, and search a tent. And the, the first page that I came to was color harmonies, which is actually really cool. What it is, you there's three little fields for you to put in red, green, and blue uh, attributes or values for the color. And basically it starts up this little engine and it shows you colors that are in harmony or colors that will go well with the color that you punched in. Very cool stuff. There's also a little... Uh, I said there was a monitor calibration. What it is is a, a little wizard that helps you calibrate your monitor. I haven't actually tried this and I'm not sure that I'm going to because I do already calibrate my monitor. But maybe this might be a good idea for you if you don't have any calibration software to go through this and try it and maybe just see what kind of results you get. I'm not sure how good it works, but never hurts to try. So a cool little website, some nice little tools for you. Check it out if you got the time. Before we get out of here, I just want to remind you, uh, if you want to help the show out, a couple of options. You can either vote for us for the Podcast Alley voting. Just go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie, and you can stick your name in the form field and hit the vote button, or just tell your friends. If you have some friends that are interested in design or are in the design field already, and you think they could benefit from this show, just tell them that we're here. And if they don't know what podcasts are, maybe educate them on that. They don't know how to subscribe, tell them how to do it. It's not that hard. And uh, get, them, get them listening to the show. As always, if you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can use the call-in line, which is 619-573-4043. And don't forget the one and the country code if you're calling outside the United States. You can also leave me a message that on the same message machine by skyping me at username titan strides you can go to myspace.com slash rookie designer talk to me that way or last but not least definitely not least you can go to the forums if you're not a member if you're not registered already it's very quick to do so you can register and start talking to over 200 how many is it now i think it's over 250 designers that are on the on the forums now so some great stuff going on up there great thing to be a part of so i definitely encourage you to do so if you are not subscribed to this show if maybe you're listening on the website or listening from another website you should go ahead and subscribe to us make sure you don't miss any of the shows make sure that you can get all the old content we are of course on show number 45 so there are 45 shows like this with uh, some good content for you so make sure you subscribe whether it be through itunes or some other aggregator 
And if you don't know how to do it, just send me an email, adam at rookiedesigner.com, and I'll help you get started. Not a big deal. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening, new listeners, and those of you who have been with me for the long haul. Thanks for listening, and thanks for subscribing and tuning in each and every week. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.